Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Some of you are very familiar with this passage of Scripture, but we're going somewhere tonight. Oh, I'm so sorry, Brother Tom. Four pages. I'm sorry. Brother Tom will get to you eventually. I'll read on, and you guys can catch up with me eventually. Verse 1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Somebody say living sacrifice. I want you to think about that. What is a sacrifice? And usually sacrifices are dead. But, but the Lord is telling us he wants us to present our bodies living sacrifice. Holy. Somebody say holy. You know, I'm still talking about that when people say, you go to a holiness church. And, and, and I just think that's the funniest thing when somebody says you go to a holiness church when there's, you can't be a church if you're not holy. <laughs> but, but anyway, the scripture says, present your bodies, live in sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So God is telling us to present our bodies, live in sacrifice, which is holy and acceptable to God. Now, I find that pretty strange or I find that pretty interesting that, that the Bible tells us that we must present our bodies living sacrifices to God, to God. So we're supposed to present this body to God. Mm. That, that, that's pretty tough right there. That, that's, that's, that's heavy duty stuff there because at, we like to feel like, you know, this is my body I am my own person. I do whatever I want to do with my body because this is mine. And, and, and you can say that if you're not trying to be a Christian. So if you're not trying to be a Christian, then you can get away with that statement. My body is my own. I do whatever I want to do. It's still not true, still not accurate. But what I'm saying is you can make that statement as, if you're not striving to be a Christian or be a Christian. But if, but, but if you are striving to be a Christian, you, you want to be a child of God, one of the things that God is requiring of us to do is present our bodies living sacrifices, meaning we can't do whatever we want to do because he says not only living sacrifices, but our bodies must be holy. Our bodies must be acceptable unto God. And then God says it's reasonable. He didn't say, oh, that's a hard thing. He didn't say, well, you know, I know that's a lot that I'm asking you. He didn't say, present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto me. I know it's a lot, but, you know, it's still what I'm requiring. He didn't say that. He said it's a reasonable requirement. By you presenting your bodies to Christ as a living sacrifice, he said this is a reasonable duty. And be not conformed to this world. Hmm. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove that which is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So God is telling us be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. Be transformed, not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Verse 3 says, for I say, though the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself or herself more highly than he ought to think. So the Bible is telling us we don't need to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. Okay? And he says, but to think soberly according as God had dealt to every man and woman 
the measure of faith. There's a whole lot that's being said in these passages of scriptures. God is saying a whole lot to us here. And, and to be quite frank with you, uh, I believe that we, we, we have a hard time obeying these texts that we just read because God is telling us you must present your body a living sacrifice and not only a living sacrifice, but it has to be holy. And it's reasonable that he's asking that. And he goes on to tell you, don't think highly of yourself. Don't think yourself to be something that you think you're special. You, you, you are this great person. Now, are you? Yes, you are, because you're a child of God if you are a child of God. But, but you must understand that, that it's not for you to go around and brag, but let somebody brag on you. You want to know if you something, let somebody brag on you. When you got to brag on yourself, when you got to say how good you do and how much you know, then, then that's thinking highly of yourself. But if somebody comes to you and say, you know what, you're just fantastic in the way you do this, and you're just so great in how you do this, then there's something good about it. That's why, come on now, somebody, we need to do a better job in encouraging one another. You see, because we're all great and wonderful people created by God. The Bible, right, Brother Scarlett says we're fearfully and wonderfully made. So if Jesus fearfully and wonderfully made us, we're all wonderful. But because we don't want to think highly of ourselves and we want to guard against saying, look at who I am and boasting, let's encourage one another and say, my goodness, Tom, you look so good in those glasses and you seem so talented and intelligent and smart. You just good dude and man Barry you're just so wonderful I like how you work hard and when you got a mission to complete you stay on it you never get off of it till it's done and go just continue oh Patrice you just you know you always pulling to get things done and you can't stop until you resolve it all of you are great wonderful people and we need to tell each other how wonderful you are what you sow you will reap so you don't have to worry about it about, well, you know, you know, nobody's, t- just sow it. Just, just sow telling people what they are. You don't have to make anything up. We can see good things about each other all the time. I know we choose a lot of times to see the bad, but we can see a lot of good. Somebody see me? All right. The Bible clearly establishes several principles in relation to our appearance. We, we never stopped to think about that when we read Romans chapter 12, verse 1. But it, it, the Bible really deals with appearance, adornment, and dress. These includes modesty, moderation, and style, and cost. Unnecessary um, ornamentation, sexual distinction, and separation from the world. Now, I know that tonight the subject I'm going to deal with is very touchy, but it's biblical. And when I was reading and preparing to teach this, this thing that I didn't want to say tonight, but but God convict me and said, this is not about you, Wayne. This is not about you making people feel comfortable. You just deliver the word that I want you to deliver and let me worry about how they feel. And so I wasn't comfortable with some of the things I need to say tonight because I realized the times that we're living in. I realize the challenges that we have in this world. You know, we can we can talk about a lot of things when it comes down to presentation, appearance, adornment of dress and things like that. But nevertheless, the Lord forced me to deal with these subjects tonight because he wants us to present our bodies a living sacrifice unto him. Because men and women 
Well, because men and women were created differently, the Bible places emphasis on their unique problem areas. In itself, holiness teaching. Women are instructed to appear a certain way so that men are not tempted while men are instructed to act a certain way so that women are not tempted. Just give me a second. Don't, don't get offended with anything I'm going to say until I'm completely done. There was a time where men went out to work and women didn't go out to work. Women stayed home. Men went out to work, right? And so the men was the breadwinner. They went out. This was years ago, obviously, right? And the men went out. They did their thing. They brought the money home. They took care of their home and all that good stuff. And that's great and wonderful. And we lived like that for a while where men, where men went out and worked and women stayed home. I guarantee if we go back into those days, we have we had less divorces. Uh, we, we had less um, unfaithfulness, good word, less unfaithfulness between husband and wife back in those days. And it's quite obvious that one of the reasons why we would have that is because temptation wasn't looming like it is now. And we can act like whatever way we want to act, but we are all tempted by the opposite sex depending on how we dress. And so this is why really God gave us direction on how to present our bodies. Because we have to realize we can, we can say whatever we want, act foolish all we want. I'm a man, and I won't lie to you. If an attractive, shapely woman is in front of me, I'm looking by just the way things are. I'm not going out my way to go, oh. But, but if a woman is walking in front of you, brother, and the woman is shapely and, and, and look attractive, you're going to have to fight not to look. Okay, you can play with me all you want. I say this at a jail all the time. When I'm at a jail, I tell them, I said, and that's one of the things why the guys in the jail, me and them just get, get along so well and we laugh and we joke as we teach the word of God because I kept it real with them. You know, I wasn't one of those preachers that go in there and let's talk about, you know, um, the fruit of the spirit and all that stuff. Now, I'm not saying we don't talk about the fruit of the spirit, but we talk about everything. And one of the things I told them is I have to fight not to look at some of these women, how they're dressed. So when I see certain, I'm like, oh, Lord, I'm going to and you just turn the other way and do whatever you got to do not to look at them. Why? Because you don't want to be tempted. And I'm sure it's vice versa. Woman can look at a man and say, mm-hmm. and it's all about how we're dressed. And nobody wants to admit to that. That's why the Lord wants us to dress a certain way. And so here is, this is what I'm trying to bring across to you that for, for, for so since the, the, the millennium or just in this generation, we start getting uncomfortable when in church, you come to church and the pastor start talking about attire and people get uncomfortable and tight. Don't get uncomfortable and tight. All this is about, look at the reason behind things. I'm, I'm, I'm a big picture kind of guy. I realized that I was dealing with myself just recently. I said, what is it about you, Wayne? I ask myself questions all the time. And I realized that I was always big picture. If you show me something small, I'm going to always say, well, is there more to that? I went to the Grand Canyon and I says, it's nice and all and everybody liked the Grand Canyon, but is there more to this that I'm missing? 
Somebody once says, yeah, there is, you know, stones in the Grand Canyon that you can't find anyplace else. And so they try to dress it up to make it seem like there's more to the Grand Canyon. I'm not trying to burst anybody's bubble, but the Grand Canyon wasn't that impressive to me. It's okay. So I'm a big picture kind of guy. And so if somebody is telling me I need to dress a certain way, uh, what's that all about? And it wasn't until I get into the scriptures and start looking at the word of God, I realize, oh, God wanted us to dress a certain way because we shouldn't be tempting each other to have illegal sex. (laughs) Slow down on that. Illegal sex. We're supposed to have legal sex. And I'm going to get to that in a second. But that's what this is about. That's what a tire is. And you know, sometimes we want to be... We hear this all the time. Well, if he can't keep his eyes to himself, that's his problem. Tell me if that's a godly attitude. If she can't keep her eyes to herself, that's her problem. I'm going to look the way I want to look. If they can't keep their eyes to them, that's their problem. Come on, baby. If we're going to be Christians, should we be saying that? Should we cause each other to get off track with our relationship with God? Or should we do the best that we can? The Bible says... Please not try and place a stumble. The Bible even goes as far as to say this. Brother Henry will laugh at this. That if somebody gives you something to eat, you got to bless it and eat it. You know where I'm going. I try to let everybody know I don't eat pork. So hopefully they won't serve it to me. Because <laughs> if they serve it to me, as a man of God, I got to bless it and eat it. Oh, Lord. So everywhere I go, I try to publicize. Oh, you know, I don't eat pork. So if you ever have me over, Rayana, you want to give me something to eat, you know, well, he don't eat pork. But my point is, if God is telling us that if someone gives you something to eat, you need to bless them to eat it because you don't want to offend them, what would he think about how we present ourselves that will be offensive to somebody? So if your dress, if your attire, if your presentation is going to offend somebody, meaning cause them to stray, why would you want them to stray? And remember what I said It's not proper godly behavior to say, well, that's them. They got a problem. No, I'm going to show you that we all got that same problem. And you can play all you want to say that if someone dresses a certain way, that's their problem. That's the person's problem if they're looking. It's not true because I'll show you in the Bible why that's not true. It's our problem. 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 7. Whereunto I am ordained a preacher, an apostle, I speak the truth in Christ and lie not, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and variety. I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath or doubting. God is doing something in me in my prayer life that I'm not comfortable with, but I just got to go with it right now because I know the, the Lord that's leading me. And what I'm finding is I'm used to sitting down and kneeling down, laying down, standing up, and taking my time, my block of time in prayer. That's what I'm used to. And I find myself not putting in a big block of time praying, but I find myself just talking to God just all throughout my day. And that's uncomfortable for me because I'm, a, I'm, I'm such a get it done and let's move to the next thing. And so I usually get it done and move to the next thing. 
And I, maybe it's because of when I went to Mississippi, I heard some heavy preaching and teaching, and that just stirred me. Because our relationship with God should be constant communication, constant connection. And by getting up in the morning and get your prayer time in and your reading time in and move to the next thing, it's almost like you, 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 you connect with God. Hey, dude, what's going on, man? How you doing? What's going on today? You got anything for me? Well, you know, and, you know, whatever goes on, whatever he says, and then you just, all right, and move on. And then you don't talk to him for the rest of the day. You just do your thing. And so that's not prayer is more about your connection and your relationship with Jesus Christ than it is a duty that you perform. And whether I was doing it the right way or not, I know he's changing it. And so I find myself, I'm working out in the gym and I'm talking to God. This morning I worked out in the gym. I did not listen to my earphone. They were in my ear and I didn't listen to them. I was praying the whole time. I realized, and, and, and I was praying, and I realized that people think I'm listening to the songs in the, my ear and I'm, and, I'm, and I'm singing, but I realized, oh, Lord, this is good. I'm praying up a storm while I'm going, and people think that he's listening to music. No, I wasn't listening. I was praying. And so I find myself praying working out. I find myself praying driving back home. I find myself praying in the bathroom. Just pray, pray, pray. Just talking to God the whole time. And I'm like, man, God, this is kind of weird. This is not what I'm used to. But the point is, men need to always pray. That's what God said for the men especially. We must always pray wherever we are. We should never fail to pray because that's our connection. Remember the Lord talks about the, the hierarchy that, that Jesus is our head of the man. Jesus is the head of the man and the man is the head of the woman. And let's not get that all twisted because the woman is just as equal to the man when it comes down to connecting with God. But order wise. And so if that's the truth, then we need to stay in constant communication and connection with the Lord, which means prayer. Prayer. So continual prayer is what men are supposed to do. We should just pray and call in the name of the Lord, lifting up holy hands without wrath or doubting. In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh uh, women professing godliness with good works. So what God is trying to communicate to us is that we ought to always look the part. Wherever we go as Christians, we're supposed to always be separated. We're supposed to always look like the people of God. And there must be some determination in your life, some distinction in your life to say you are who you say you are. So now we're looking at these scriptures. God gave men one way of standing out and women one way of standing out. Women get a lot of flack for the most part when they kind of look a certain way and stand out. They're going to hear about it because they, theirs is more visible. But maybe that's not true because men just don't do enough of lifting holy hands when they go anywhere and pray without wrath or doubting. And so if both genders do what they're supposed to do, we're going to stand out and look like we're not like everybody else. I can't tell you 
how charged up I am about being a Christian in this hour. I I know that there was a time where we felt like, you know, we was weary and we felt like, is this going to, are we going to make it? But I am so encouraged and I am so strengthened to keep moving forward and to be a better Christian than I've ever been in all my life because I realize the Bible says where sin abound, grace abound that much more. And so in this day and age, I I want to say I'm a Christian and look like it and act like it because our world is wanting to know who are the real Christians because everybody have blended together and people cannot tell the difference between a true woman of God, a true man of God, or somebody else. That's not God intent. God intended for us to look like godly people. God intended for us to be separate so people can identify where to go to when they're ready to accept the Lord Jesus Christ. So when you're ready to know the truth and ready to live for God, who would you go to that can tell you the truth? Because I'm not going to you if you look like me. If I want to be a millionaire, no poor person can tell me how to do that. Because if they, if, if, if they knew how to be a millionaire, they would be a millionaire. That's why that foolishness about people reading your palm is foolish. Because if they were real good, they wouldn't be doing that. They would, they would have figured out a way how to make a lot of money if they were a fortune teller. If they can tell the future, they would, they would, have, they would be rich. They wouldn't be written a, 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 a room out of somebody's house and tell you to come so they can read your palm. They would be rich because all they got to do is lottery number to pick six when, it, when the mega jackpot reach. Y'all know whatever it reaches. <laughs> she laughing. Wherever, whatever the mega jackpot reach, when it reach, you would just tell her, oh, 49 million, let me go buy my ticket because I know the number. So, so it's stupid. It, 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 don't, it, it don't, doesn't make sense. Right? So the point is, the, the point is we, we, we have to look the part. And we, in order for people to know where to go, in order to know the word of God, in order to understand salvation, people must know where to go and how they're going to know where to go. Because now all the churches is just kind of, you're not sure. What church is this? You know, they come here and they check it out. Okay. 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 A couple things I like. And they go some, okay. Okay. But, but, but listen, this church God gave us the name Christ-Centered Church. And that's the takeaway I want everybody to have. That whatever we talk about in this church, whatever is preached about in this church, you will be able to connect it with Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about because at the end of the day, Jesus is the Savior of the world. He is the one that died for every one of us. Not all of us have accepted his death to, to live according to what he died for. But at the end of the day... He is the one, Jesus Christ, God manifest in flesh. And so it is his will that we look the part and not just blah, 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 blah. Everybody can talk the part. We're so intelligent now. We know how to talk the part. But he wants us to talk the part, walk the part, look the part, and to be true men and women of God. King James Version, word explained, modesty, modest, decent, chaste means to be pure. So decent, pure, proper, Okay, you know, unpretentious and pure with particular reference to dress, speech, conduct, and demeanor. So when he says modest, that's what he's talking about. When he said shamefacedness or uh, priority, uh, uh, right, Um, he's talking about politeness, uh, politeness. 
that's in the New King James Version, a sense of shame. And it doesn't mean shame like how you feel shame. It means shame of, of, you never see someone that looks shy. Let me use that word, shy, probably work better for all of us, shy. So when, when, when you're living a, a, a life of shy, it's mean, you mean you're unassuming, meaning you're just kind of laying low. And so that's what he's trying to get us to understand, that when we're going to be modest and, and we're going to have sobriety, when we're going to live our life like that, we're talking about moderation, which means soundness of mind. Let me tell you really at the end of the day what it comes down to. If you can control your demeanor, you can control your conduct in every way, now you're living a life of modesty. A Christian life is supposed to be a modest life. Not braggadocious. Not showing off. Not not saying, look at me. Not thinking highly of yourself. Supposed to be confident. Supposed to be confident, but but you got to guard against... The, 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 the being puffy and, 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 and act like it's all about you. As a Christian, we got to be modest, but be really strong in who we are as Christians. But looking the part. I, I'm here to tell you tonight that we have to start looking the part and not worry about what anybody else think about us. Our biggest challenge is not looking the part, because we should be looking the part, here is my biggest concern when, I was, when God was dealing with me to start this church. Biggest thing God dealt with me on, and that's what I've, I've tried my best to work at, is how we present him to people. That's the biggest thing. All the other stuff is supposed to be just trivial. We just do them. They're just, it's there. Just get it done. But the biggest thing I want to do very well, and I want to teach this church to do very well, is how we present God to people. Because so many people that have called themselves Christians have not presented God the right way to the world. And so now, so many people are not sure if they want to follow Christianity because they're not sure if it's really real. And, you know, look at all those people that claim to be this and then I see them this way. And so many things. How we present Jesus Christ to our world is going to make the difference. Standards for living, external, a modest and moderation modest modesty and moderation back to the original adam and eve sin became aware of their nakedness sense of shame desire to cover bodies i like that because that's where that's where we 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 got the whole attraction from you go to genesis chapter 3 verse 1 through 7 if you begin to read in it the, the devil started talking with Eve, and he told her, well, let's look at it ourselves. Let me not just, let me not just say it. Let's look at it. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, had God said ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Question mark. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God had said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Right? And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. Ooh. So here is something good that we all need to think about. Whatever God says, 
there will always come a voice or a thought to contradict what God says. Whatever God says, there will always come, come a contradictory voice. Well, that's not true. That's how it started from the beginning. So, God said, you will not surely die. He's telling the woman, you will not surely die. That's what the devil told her. For God does know that in the day you eat thereof, your eyes shall be open and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Now, the devil been around longer than all of us, me and you. He always mixed truth and lie when he talked to you. That's how he pulls you in. He makes truth and lie. So he, when he puts truth in there, you say, that is true, that is true. Then he throws some lie in there, and then you still believe in that lie is truth. So what he did was, he says, if you eat of that tree, you will then know good and evil. And he was right. In the garden, they were innocent. They did not know what evil was. They were innocent. They did not know they were naked. They were innocent. They didn't know anything bad. They were innocent. Because all their life they obeyed God. So obeying God made them just, just only thing they knew was righteousness. So they walk in the garden naked, chilling, doing whatever they're doing. They did not know anything bad. Naked, oh, that's just normal stuff. This is what we do. And so they were innocent. But the devil told him a truth. He said, the day you eat of that tree, you're going to know good and evil. That was true. So he got them. So he made them think God was trying to keep something from them. Verse 6 says, and when the woman saw, you know, I always make this and I got to put it, the notation in there. The one thing that God told them they couldn't do is the thing the devil tried to get them to do. There could have been thousands of trees in the garden. And God said, just don't touch that one over there. Actually, he said, just don't eat from that one over there. Thousands of trees. And God said, just don't eat from that one. And that's the one the devil said, mm-hmm, why are you keeping that from you? And silly us don't never stop and say, well, why would I care about that one? I got a thousand over here. You want me to go and get curious over that one when I got a thousand over here? But the devil understood how to get us, and he got us. He did what he, he did to us what he did to God, rebelled. Got us to rebel. So, and the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree to be desired to make one wise. She took up the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Verse 7. And the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. All while they were in the garden. Listen to this. All while they were in the garden, there was no reproduction of children as soon as they sinned and God put them out of the garden you read that they bear their first child I'm supporting my argument which is they might not have known what to do with the body parts back then because they were innocent 
Maybe God was just going to make a whole bunch of people. And maybe people is never going to come through childbearing. I don't know. But what I'm saying is, nothing happened while they were in the garden. It wasn't until they sinned that they started having children. Because maybe that's when they discovered attraction, sexuality. Ooh, I see how she looked. Ooh, I see how he looked. That's when it all started for us, looking at the opposite and being attractive. The scripture says they sewed fig leaves together. Now think of leaves. I'm sure Eve put some leaves together, cover up her top and her bottom. And Adam just sewed some leaves together and cover up his bottom. Look at verse 21. Verse 21 says, um, well, not 21. Let me see what I have here. All right, seven. And knew they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves apron. And they heard the voice of the Lord, and they went there. Okay, let me go back up and see. I don't want to keep up your time, so let me tell you what it is, and you'll find it somewhere in there. They covered themselves, and then the Lord came along and killed an animal. And use the skin of the animal and clothe them. Verse what? The first, actually, absolutely, first sacrifice. But here's the point. I never forgot when God showed me this personally. Their covering for themselves was not sufficient. It was not sufficient. So the Lord came by and said, let me kill an animal and clothe them properly. Because now that they understand sexuality and attraction, I have to clothe them properly so they're not always going at each other like animals. That's why they got dressed the right way by God. And so still today we find ourselves, when we dress ourselves, we show a lot of stuff. But when we dress the way God wants us to dress, we, we cover up stuff. And the real truth to it is not about anything other than let's not tempt each other. We want to make it to be all kind of stuff. But all it really boils down to is don't tempt the opposite sex. And don't you be ignorant and say, well, that's their business. No, we're supposed to be looking out for one another. We're supposed to be helping each other be strong Christians and not be tempted and fall. So how you present yourself, man and woman, you try your best to dress appropriately where you're not, a, you're not tempting the opposite sex. That's what it's about. So now we got to get into the whole what tempts and what don't tempts. And if you let God lead you, that will not be an issue. But, it, but if, if, if it's something that you're going to fight with, then, then you're just going to fight with it. Because it just comes down to you don't want to do that. You know, you're going to say, well, I know that's what the Bible says, but it didn't really mean that. And, and that's usually what we say when we want to get our way. 
if there's something in the Bible that I'm not doing, somebody show it to me. I don't say, I don't come up with an excuse, man. I said, mm, I didn't see that like that. And I'll go back and study my Bible. Because I want to follow the teachings of the Bible. I'm not going to follow it to a point where, okay, I'll believe all of this, but that I'm not believing. Because when you stop believing a part of the Bible, it means that then the part you believe is in question as well. So the Bible, the entire Bible is for us to follow, not some of it. Don't get disgusted with God and the Bible when you stumble upon something that you realize you're not doing. If God show it to you, what he's saying is, son, I love you. You're not doing this. Daughter, I love you. You're not doing this. But let me show you this so you know what to do. And that's what God had me to understand this evening as I'm trying to prepare this. I'm like, God, I don't want to talk about this because, you know, we're just starting out a church and we don't want people to get the wrong impression. That's what I told him. That's me talking to God tonight. I don't want them getting the wrong impression. I don't want people leaving our church thinking that we we, we trying to, you know, institute how they dress. I don't want to do that, God. Shut up, boy. Just teach what I want you to teach. And so God instituted the proper attire. When Adam and Eve sinned, we understood attraction. We did not understand it before then. Children weren't born before then. So we didn't understand it then. But when we sinned, eyes open. Now we know good and evil. Now we know what shape is. Now we know what we like. That's evil. And that's what messed us all up. When Adam and Eve sinned, they became aware of their nakedness and sought to cover themselves with fig leaves. Originally, God created the bodies with glory and beauty. There was no need for false modesty between husband and wife, for they were one flesh. After they sinned, however, they recognized that wholesome, God-given sexuality had the capacity for evil. And so here is where, again now, sex without marriage is wrong because... It was supposed to only be between husband and wife. If, 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 if once they sinned, they started seeing sex the wrong way. Without sin, they would have only seen it one way, which is between man and wife. But when they sinned, they now knew evil as well. So that's what the devil told them. That, that's the truth that he told them. If, if, if you eat up the fruit of the garden, you will then, you will be as God. No good and evil. He was dead on telling the truth. And so they knew and so he knew that they did it. Now they knew, they knew good and evil. And so now we can judge each other who look good and who don't look good and who we attracted to and who we not attracted to because Adam and Eve sinned. That's why the Bible says one man's sin caused everybody in this world to sin. But the Bible also says one man's righteousness can cause everybody to become righteous. So Adam caused a big mess with with us sinning because he sinned but jesus christ says but i've come that you can be delivered from sin and be free from sin and be holy and be righteous and live a good honest life before him we can do it somebody say we can do it does sex become shameful when god never intended for it to be via premarital sex and so we we went left with sex now and so now we're struggling because we're not dressing properly and everybody's desires are running all over the place. 
because we sinned in the garden, but we're not helping one another overcome that sin. How do we help one another overcome the sin? How we dress ourselves. That's how we help each other over. We messed up already. Can't change that. And so now we know sin and we know good and evil. We know, you know, attraction. And and so we're there now. But how do we help each other stay away from that? By how we present ourselves. That's that's all it's about. It's, It's not about nobody trying to tell you how to look. God is saying, I need you to look a certain way. You must have a certain distinction because you belong to me. God clothed Adam and Eve. Genesis 21, 3:21. Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord made tunics of skin and clothed them. So God clothed them in himself. So God required body to be fully clothed. We can do whatever we want, but what God requires is for us to be dressed properly. We can say whatever we want, do whatever we want. But God requires a certain way of look. Paul's teaching on the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 23. And the parts we regard as less honorable. I'm not even going to read that because as I was going through that, God taught me something. <laughs> Love it when the Lord teach me something. So listen to this. How about when we're getting dressed? Let's be honest. If you feel like there's a part of you that look good, you, you let that hang out. And the part you don't think look good, you hide that. Stop and think about that for a second and you will see that we're playing games with ourselves when we claim, well, I'm not going to dress this way for nobody. Just think about that. Ladies, if you know you have nice legs, you're going to wear the skirt so your legs can show. Because that's a nice part of me. If you know your belly a little bit, out there a little bit, guess what? You're going to put on a girdle. Let me tell the truth. So that tells you right away, we're always willing to show what we think is good, and we, we want to hide what we think is not good. That tells you there's something wrong. Why don't we just cover it all up and don't have to worry about anything? Right, Rayon? Makes sense, don't it? I know I got, listen, I ain't trying to give you all no imagination, but I know I got nice legs. I played soccer. And if I put on my nice short shorts, the girl's going to be looking like, yo, look at him. I haven't worn no short shorts in, in, in 20 years. In 20 years, I haven't put on no shorts. Why? Because I understand this principle. I don't need nobody hollering at me. I'm good right now. My hollering days is over. I hollered, they hollered 20 years ago. Over 20 years ago, I hollered, they hollered. I'm not hollering no more, and I don't want no hollering no more. That's all I'm saying, right? Because that's my, that's my goods I knew was good. And y'all know, ladies, I'm not going to go into it, but you know, what you're good, you know what part of you is good, and you like to let that part say hello a little bit. I'm just telling the truth. I'm trying to get you to where... God is wanting us to understand that if we're going to be his, if we're going to be his people, we need to look the part. We want to be his people and look like somebody else's people. 
We can't be both. Either we're going to be godly people and look like godly people, or we're not going to be. And what we're, what we're up against that I see so often now in this day and age is we're trying to say we're Christians, but we won't look it. And, 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 and we're trying to play both sides. And sometimes I think we do it innocently, Brother Henry. I think a lot of times we're doing it innocently where we're trying to say we're Christians. We're doing certain Christians' activity, but in general, overall, we're not showing it. We're just not. And so this is probably where I'm trying to get us to realize either we're going to be a Christian or we're not. I don't think there's any gray area when it comes down. It's like, is someone half pregnant? It's not possible. You can't be half pregnant. Either you're pregnant or you're not. Well, as a Christian, either you're a Christian or you're not. We want to say we're Christians, but still dabble a little bit and say, well, ain't nothing really wrong with this. Oh, boy. That's driving me crazy because I I don't want to be impolite. I don't want to be mean. I don't want to come across the wrong way. And I'm trying to love everybody as best as I can. But I see it so often where we're passing off Christianity like we are Christian, but in our behavior in many areas. And then we say, you know, God understands and God is loving and God is merciful and time is changing. Time is not the same. And we go through all of this stuff. As you all know, I went to Israel in in February, and I don't understand. That's part of my lesson, but I'm probably going to skip all over all the stuff because I just feel something about this. Because when I went to Israel, when I flew on their airline, majority, 80% of the people on that airline on that flight was, was, was Jews. And those men had no problem having on their black and white in their hat. Those women have no problem how they're dressing and they're proud and they walk around like we are the people of God. We look this way because of our God. Why are we having a problem looking a certain way? We struggle with that. Well, they're in the Middle East. It's different. We in America. And we come up with all these kind of things. When 1 Corinthians 12 says... Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. We just skip over that. We need to look the part. Remember what I told you. No holiness, no power. You want to see the power of God work in your life, you need to be holy. You can't, God, remember what I told you Sunday, we are conduits, not reservoirs. Reservoirs store things and things don't go anywhere. They just store things. They hold on to things. Conduits is, is, a, is an instrument that connect things, right? Me and brother um, 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 Colin was talking that in order for you to get internet service in your house, a conduit must connect into your home. Right? In order to get water, conduit. Whatever it is, in order to get a small portion of things, it, it, a conduit must be used. In, and that's what we are. We are conduits. We're not, we're not reservoirs. We're conduits. And so God is holy. That holy God will not connect to some unholy thing to, let, to flow through and to do what he wants to do. 
So I know what I'm saying when I says unholy people will not experience the power and demonstration of God. And so if you go to a church where people are just going to behave whatever way they want to behave, look the way they want to look, I guarantee you won't see a whole lot of miracles. You won't see a whole lot of signs and wonders in that church because God wants to do something, but he has nothing to use to do anything. Because everything that's supposed to be a conduit is, is, is tainted. So we're, we, I've lived my life where I've seen the demonstration of God's power. God has flown through me by his spirit where there's demonstration. And I want to see that in this church. And I want us to continue to be a church where we will see the demonstration of God's power. So we have to be holy. We have to present ourselves right. This is not to, 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 to judge anybody else. All we're saying is we want to be that Christ-centered church where God can use this ministry to bless people. I don't want to show up to pray for somebody and they don't get healed. I want when we show up, we are holy people, righteous people, the conduit that when I lay my hands on you and I say, in Jesus' name, behold, be healed, right away God will just flow and heal you because this conduit was a vessel he could flow through. Or you can just go someplace where they put on a show. All the shows that's going on. The preacher got a style. The show is going on. And you leave that place and say, man, that was a good church. Because the show, you went and got entertained. Man, go to Broadway if you want to get entertained. Church is not for entertainment. Church is to help you build your relationship with Jesus Christ. Church is for you to get equipped so you can help the Lord with his plan. Church is here so you can get your way going so one day heaven can be your home. It's not for entertainment. Now, we're going to have a good time while we're doing it, though. Because the last thing I want is to be a church where we, we look like we're having a hard life. Everything is just hard. Everything is not just hard. Here is what will stop you from looking at every, everything hard and everything. The end is already written, and you win. You have a question? Go ahead. My wife got a question. I love that. Thank you, wife. The heart will always reflect. That's all in my notes. I'm just, when the ghosts start moving me, I start going crazy. The heart is a reflection. It comes out on the outside. Whatever is on the inside comes out on the outside. Right? So if your heart is pure and your heart is about the things of God, eventually it will come out that way. So I hate to burst everybody's bubble, but usually the way you dress tells how you feel. So you can't say, render your heart not your God. Now listen, I understand sometimes there's stages of development in you. I've seen it where somebody's holy on the inside, righteous on the inside, but the time had not come for it to reflect on the outside. But if they stay holy and righteous on the inside, it sooner or later will reflect on the outside. That's a guarantee. That's a guarantee. It will reflect on the outside. So, yes, people say, render your heart, not your garment, and that's right. 
That's it. That is right. When you give your heart, God works on this heart, and that heart will begin to just connect with God, and eventually what's, what God put into that heart will begin to reflect on the outside. I lived it myself. I, I remember when I was um, just, just a young Christian, and I was doing stuff that the church didn't tell me to do. I was just doing it. But that was, the, that was God on the inside reflecting on the outside of me. And so you, 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 can't, you can't get around that. So that's a good question. Render your heart, not your garment. But once you render your heart, God will begin to change your life. And it will begin to show on the outside. Amen? Separation from the world. Look at what John 15 and 19 says. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. People, we have to get over it that you can't be a Christian and have everybody accept you. Get over it. That, that's one of the struggles we have while we don't come to church and be faithful to God is because in our mind, man, if I get sold out for God, then I can't do this. I can't do that. I, you know, this, and we go through all of that. You're doing what Satan did to Adam and Eve. You're worried about the negative and not the positive. The things that you're going to receive for living for God does not compare to what you think you're missing out on not living for God and doing whatever you want. So it's important that we understand that text about the world. The world won't love you if you are a child of God. Look at 1 John 2 and 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in this world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Anything you love, you sacrifice to do it. We talked about that um, Sunday. And so the bottom line is, if you're loving the things of this world, then you can't do the things of God. Can't do the things of God. God said, love not this world. And so usually the scripture that comes under that talks about, you know, what's in the world. But usually when you're not, when you're loving the things of this world, you start to look the part of the world. And, and I just got to tell you again. It's very difficult to look like the world and affect the world for God. If you love Jesus and you are in partnership, because that's what it is when you become saved, you are now in partnership with him to help him with his cause. If that's why you're living as a Christian, then you have to look the part. You can't look like, you can't look like something else and, and, and help the Lord with what he's doing. You got to look the part. At this point, let us recognize another important principle of holiness that affects outward appearance, separation from the world. God has always insisted that his people be separated from the world. This includes outward manifestation of separation so that the world can readily identify true Christians. A person could tell someone was a real Jew simply by looking at him and observing his actions. As a result, the Jew have survived as the only ancient race in the Bible to maintain their complete culture and religious heritage. Can I say this? And I can say this because I love the Jews and I consider myself a Jew at heart. The Jews are probably the most hated people in this world. They're probably the most hated people in this world. 
But isn't it ironic? Jesus said in John, the world hates you. So if you're going to love God and hold to his plans and promises and what he tells you, he said the world's going to hate you. And the Jews have experienced that. So because they cling to the things of God, they're the most hated people in this world. And us Christians are somehow trying not to be hated and live for God. And God wants you to know it ain't possible. Now, they might not try to kill you off or anything like that like they did the Jews, but the bottom line is you just will not be accepted the way you want to be accepted. We all like to be accepted. And it doesn't mean that you live for God mean and you talk mean and that's what. No, 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 no. Once people, it's like in the world we, we say, if somebody don't drink, I don't trust them. That's what we say in the world. So if you a sinner... If you are a non-Christian, and I'm a non-Christian, and you don't drink liquor, I'm going to say I don't trust you. That's the word in the streets as non-Christians. Why am I bringing that up? Because the world only wants to deal with its own. And, and, and some of you have heard this story that if you profess to be a Christian, you get around them while they drink, and they're going to say, get away from here. You say you're a Christian. Well, those are some of the things you experience being a Christian. And so look at us. This is what we're fighting for. If you all over there are not Christians and you're having a drink and I'm over here as a Christian, this is what I'm fighting for. I want to be able to walk over and hang out with y'all while you're drinking I, and without y'all telling me, don't, don't come over here. That's what we're fighting for. We're fighting to get amongst the people of the world and let them accept us. That's what we're fighting for as Christians. Makes no sense. We're supposed to be going over there loving them, hoping that they'll open up and say, so why are you so different? Why are you not drinking with us? That's what we want for them to say. Why, why you ain't smoking with us? Why you ain't womanizing with us? And, and, and we just got to have the wisdom that God gave us to know how to handle it. I'm almost done here. We got to be separate from the world. The Jews are separated from the world. They're separate from the world. They're not like the world, and they're, and they're fine with it. And we have to do a better job as Christians to be fine with what comes with not being of the world. Page four, be careful of the latest fashion or latest fashions or fashions associated with certain groups of people. Um, ask yourself if this is a good witness of your Christianity to non-Christians. So when you present yourself, Ask yourself, are you always going with the trendy things of the world? Uh, when, you, when you present yourself and you look in the mirror, will people think you're a Christian or are they going to think you're just like them? Does it identify you with a rebellious spirit? Okay? When, 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 we, get, when we present ourselves and, 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 and it doesn't look right and somebody tells you it doesn't look right and we got a problem with it, it means we have a little rebellion in us. Be careful. Remember, Satan left out of heaven because of pride and rebellion. Pride and rebellion will destroy you. So if you're reading and you see something in there and you know you're supposed to do it by just saying you're not doing it, you're not doing it, that's rebellion. And rebellion will push you further away from God than you can ever imagine. We must be careful about following all the latest fads and fashion of the world. By doing so, we can get trapped into identifying too closely with the world without realizing it. Also, the spirit of competition can get a hold of us. Separation from the world means that we have 
to draw lines in order to avoid all such identification with the world. Pastors should make this clear to saints, which I am. The laity should respect the specific lines drawn by the ministry, even if they personally disagree with some of the particulars, because this is the only way to uphold basic standards. Look at Exodus. This is this this scripture and then the last scripture at the bottom. I'm going to read for you and I'm done. Look at Exodus chapter 19, verse 10. And the Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes and be ready by the third day, because on that day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. Put limits for the people around the mountain around the mountain, and tell them, be careful that you do not go up the mountain or touch the foot of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. Can I just tell you what that's all saying real easy? The pastor, God has given the pastor of the church the, the, the privilege, because it's a privilege, to set boundaries for the people in the church to keep them away from things that can harm them or from temptation. When the pastor set that boundary, God honors it. And if you as the people go beyond that boundary because God has directed the pastor set it, you now put yourself in jeopardy because God is going to stand with that pastor that has set the boundary for the people because God himself set boundaries for his people. So when he allows I was manservant or woman servant to set that boundary, you're supposed to honor it. And when you go past that boundary, you put yourself in trouble with God. If some are rebellious when it gets to um, uh, particularities, then the spirit of rebellion and compromise will gradually erode holiness completely. So we have to be careful of that. Here is the final text in 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 First John, verse sixteen says, "For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever." Here is the deal: what God is trying to tell us. He created everything. And what he's trying to tell us, the only thing that will never be destroyed is y'all. Let me say that, y'all. He won't destroy his people, only those that put themselves in jeopardy to to, to spend eternity in, in the lake of fire. But every Christian will never be destroyed. And what he's saying is, don't work up yourself over things that's one day going to pass away. Why are you letting the things that I created for you to have rulership over or have control over? Why are you letting those things control your life? You control them. Because one day they will all be gone and the only thing that's going to remain is you and me. And that's all that matters. God is only after your heart. He just wants you and him. Eternity with you and God is what God is looking for. And he doesn't want you to allow temptation to pull you away because of the things that you wear, how you present yourself. God wants you to present yourself holy and righteous.